So Parshat Azinu. You know, usually I, um, the days leading up to Yom Kippur, I'm kind of very conscious about saving my voice, Yom Kippur. <coughs> and I, but you know, your daughter's wedding, you're not going to save your voice. And when you dance and the band is so loud and you get so into it, you don't realize that you're actually screaming. You just think you're singing. So I lost my voice a little bit, so I apologize in advance that uh, if you can't hear me, just come closer, okay? Um, when our son Yair, uh, he was uh, an officer. He was in a special unit in the paratroopers called Orev. When he finished officer's course, he really wanted to go back to his Samchanim unit, to his paratrooper unit, to his Tevet. But very often what they do is um, they want guys to get experience in different areas. So they sent him to Kfir. Kfir is like a basic infantry unit. Their specialization actually is the territories, is Yudav Shamron. Uh, a lot of, you know, they go into the Arab cities, do a lot of difficult duty. Um, they don't have like the glamour of the paratroopers, but they do the hard work. Um, and within Kfir, there is a... Uh, there was a, a unit of drivers who drove Hummers. And their job, this particular uh, platoon, their job was to transport elite soldiers into very difficult circumstances. Like if a Sayyid Matkal or, or, or Duvdevan, whoever they are, these elite units, have to go into Aza or into Ramallah, or whatever it might be, to do a mission. So the drivers who would drive them were these soldiers in Kfir. And they were trained to drive these jeeps. And in order to do this, he also did a course to learn how to drive these jeeps himself. And he became a commander for these drivers. Now, drivers in the Israeli army, generally speaking, uh, I mean, I was originally a tank driver, but they're not exactly the creme de la creme of the army. So he was a little disappointed that he was going to Kfir. It took him eight months to get back to paratroopers. He was a little nervous about who his soldiers were going to be. When he found out that he was commanding a unit of drivers, he was really not happy. Because like, you know, you train with paratroopers, everybody's very motivated. All of a sudden you're with these guys who are like, so the first day he's an officer, his job is to get him up, do inspection, you know, you have to wake up early. And uh, the guys wake up, the sergeant wakes them up and he comes out to do inspection. And like half the guys aren't there. He's like, where are the guys? And half of them were sleeping. His first day as an officer, he had to go to a bunch of different barracks and wake up his soldiers and two or three of them did not want to get up they just didn't want to get up and I remember we had this really difficult discussion as to what to do as an officer if your men don't want to get up in the morning now this isn't the stuff you read in like the hero war story books but this is like the real dirt and meat of being an officer right same thing with parenting by the way you know the parenting moment where your son kind of says to you, Abba, you want to learn? Or, you know, he does some incredible act of chesed and the elderly person he helped calls up your wife. Those are awesome. But real parenting is your kid who doesn't want to get up for school in the morning. How do you strike that balance? Now, there are three possibilities here. Can you guess what the three possibilities are? Your, your soldier doesn't want to wake up in the morning. You got three possibilities. Three types of response. Yeah. Pardon? Oh, we're not talking about threats here. We're talking about reality. The guy isn't waking up. So one way is to smash him. Just smash him. 
Like, you know, you're not getting out of base for two weeks. Or I'm putting you on court martial with the Italian commander and we're going to send you to the brig for two weeks. Right? Or you lose your Shabbat pass for the next month. You just smash them. And, you know, presumably if you do that, that'll be a deterrent. Right? Okay. What's the other possibility? Yeah. Well, the other possibility is, you know, you take the light approach. You know, like, I really understand why it's hard to get up. I know you're tired, you know. Let's talk about it, you know. Okay, yeah. Uh, seems to me that, you know, President Biden is doing that with Iran. I'm not sure it's going to work, but whatever. Okay. And then there's the third possibility, which, as you can guess, is... Shh, yeah? I can you? Well, you let him sleep is really part of the first response. Like, you pull him out of bed or you let him sleep. The third is somewhere in the middle. You... Maybe threaten him with a punishment, but you have a healthy conversation with him. You want to get along with him and establish a relationship, but you also want him to know there's deen. So the question is, which one works? What works best? What is the value of consequence? Now, Kashparchu, this is Parshat Hazinu, Shirat Hazinu. It's interesting that most Parshiyot we read, this Parsha is a song. It's an interesting question why this is a song and what it's doing here, but that's not our topic tonight. And it's, it's actually one of the easier <coughs> partio to lane because the nature of poetry is that the cadence and the flow of it makes it easier to remember. Right? There's a back and flow to it. So one of the earlier psukim in Hazinu is Hatsur Tamim Po'alo. Hatsur. What's Hatsur, anybody know? A rock. Right? Where do we find that word as it relates to a rock? Come on, famous song. Ma'ozur. When God is referred to, when Hashem is referred to as a rock, it means that His ways are unfathomable. You can't penetrate into what He's doing. Hatsur Tamim Po'alo, the Nitziv actually quotes this in his introduction to Brejit, refers to those times when Hashem is the rock and His ways are perfect. Whatever Hashem does must be perfect, must be complete, but we don't understand it. You don't have to say that Hashem is a rock when you're looking at the birth of a healthy baby boy. You talk about the fact that Hashem is a rock when someone dies of cancer. You don't need to look at Hashem as the rock of ages when you walk up to the Kotel six days into the Six-Day War. You talk about the Rock of Ages when 1,800 men die at the beginning of the Yom Kippur War. Right? Right? So whatever Hashem does is perfect. Okay. Now, one of the ways, right, that we understand this uh, is actually in Rashi. Rashi says, Even though Hashem is powerful, when he punishes those who go against his will, he doesn't, he doesn't unleash it like a storm. He doesn't smash you. He gives appropriate justice. You get exactly what you deserve. Why? Because whatever Hashem does is perfect. It's complete, total. It makes perfect sense. If something's happening, 
It must be what's supposed to happen. How do I know? Because it happened. So this is really interesting. First of all, it's worth mentioning, since Rashi brings up the concept of din as it relates to consequence, punishment, and we just pass through Yom Adin, it, it's worth, and, and what is Yom Kippurim? Kaparaz related to Rachamim. It's worth taking a moment to discuss the difference, the nature of Din and Rachamim. This is a very important idea. Din is very simple. By the way, where's the first time we find in Divrei Chazal the concept of Din? Like, where in the Torah do I first see this? Way before Yitzchak. Way before Avram. Pardon? Way before that. Well, you can't go that much earlier, new. Well, that's a good guess. Before Noah. Let me ask you a question. Which which name of God? Maybe you know this. Which name of God? We have many names of God, right? Hashem, Elokim, Adon, Melech. Which name of God relates to Din? Elokim. Elokim with hey relates to Din. What's the name of God that relates to Rachamim? Yud Kevavke. Now, I want you to understand this is a deep idea. Din, right, what does is, what is, what is Rashi say in Breshit? It says, Breshit bara Elokim at the Shemayim Vedaritz. Vayar Elokim Kito, Vayom Elokim Yihior. The first paragraph of Breshit is all about Elokim. It's all about Din. Right, by the way, what do we call a judge in the Torah? A Dayan. And what do we call, what name do we use for a judge? Elohim. In fact, when you're, when you're talking about a judge as opposed to God, you can say the hey. Right? So the name of God and the name of a judge is the same name. Why? Because Elohim is the name of Din. That's when God appears to us, a God of justice. Now the second parak of Brajit, the second chapter, introduces a whole new concept. By Yitzer Hashem Elohim. Yud Kevavke. Right? You just can't win. <laughs> or you can't lose. Right? Okay, okay, okay. So, so, I would say we'll go down to the Rambam room, but I think it'll be worse down there. So, Elohim, okay, is the first barrack. Hashem Elohim is the second paragraph. Now, Yud Kevavke is the name of Rachman. So Rashi says, Hashem created a world of din. Can you do me a favor? All you guys, pick up your chairs and just come over here. Just come over here. I don't want to lose my voice. No, no, pick them up, pick them up. Come over here. Bring it in. And all you guys, just step forward like eight feet. I really appreciate it. Shanabet! Bring it in. Manny Meadows! Right here. Right here. Right. Yeah, come on. Come on. Let's go. You come late, that's what happens. Come, come, come. Right here. Wait for you. Alright. No guts, no glory. What do you mean? Pardon? It's what? You don't want to be closer to Torah. I'm not going to force you. To. Ah! Good, good answer. Good answer. There we go. Alright. Here we go. 
I think it's like a throwback to first grade. Why do guys not like to sit next to the teacher? What is that about? I don't know. All right, we'll see if you get more out of the class now. That's interesting. So, can you hear me now? All right. So, so, so Rashi says Hashem creates a world of din. But then he sees the world can't handle a world of din, of justice. So he introduces Rashi. He introduces mercy. Now what's the obvious question? Shem creates a world of din, sees the world can't handle it. Parak Bet introduces Yud Kevavke, introduces Rachim in mercy. Yeah, well, if Hashem obviously knows that din alone is not going to work. So what, what's Rashi talking about? So we have to understand what din is. Din is very simple. Din is justice. It, din is when you get what you deserve. And you deserve what you get. That's din. Okay? In the world of din, if I steal from you, they chop my hand off. That's din. In the world of din, if I character assassinate someone, I should be killed. That's din. You get what you deserve. Right? If you speak Lashon Hara, Shem should rip your tongue out. Then you won't talk anymore Lashon Hara. That's a serious consequence, right? Rachamim is Hashem does stuff for us even though and maybe dafka because we don't deserve it. Rachamim is the guy stole from you but you take him into your house and you give him a hot soup. He doesn't deserve that. Now we can't live in a world of din. If we had to earn everything we got from Hashem we'd never get it. There isn't enough that we can do in this world to earn. You were born into a family that gave you love and hopefully warmth and care and they fed you. And We live in a generation where the only deal is, you know, you're 15 minutes late, you missed out on dinner, you can go to the grocery store and get 500 million different things. Do you know how many generations of people wish they could have something like that? Like if you're in places in Africa, you don't get to go to a grocery store. We didn't do enough to earn that. That's Rachamim. Okay, so there's Din and there's Rachamim. Now, Rashi here says that Hashem always pays consequence in deep. Whatever you get in this world is exactly what you deserve. Now that doesn't mean that we can judge how that works, right? And we're meant to think about this for ourselves. I don't think we're meant to think about this in terms of others. It's not my job to look at a kid, God forbid, who's dying of cancer and say, well, he must deserve it. What do we know? We don't understand that. Atsul. Whenever Hashem gives example, he's a tzu, he's a rock, he's unfathomable, we can't understand it. What happens to me, that's a different story. If something happens to me and it's difficult, I have an opportunity to say, okay, so why am I, why is this happening to me? What's, what am I supposed to do with this? Okay, that's the concept of din. Now, there's a pasuk in Yitra, this is an unbelievable pasuk, okay? Perak Yudchet. Atayadati. Uh, thank you. Atayadati. Now I know. This is Yitro. Now Yitro was a Midianite priest. He was like the king of idolatry. Right? And somewhere along the line, according to most of the Mephoshim, he converts to Judaism. Which is unbelievable. Right? Now I know. Now I know. The, this is in the puzzle. That God is the greatest of the gods. Because of 
their iniquity and what God does to them. So Rashi here says, right? Right? Bemayim damu leavdam v'hem nevdu bemayim. The Egyptians wanted to destroy the Jewish people through water, and so they were destroyed through water. <coughs> How did the Egyptians want to destroy us through water? Pardon? Nope. That's how they got destroyed through water. How did the Egyptians want to destroy them through water? Throwing babies into the Nile. Yitro is somehow in awe of this. Yitro says that's unbelievable. They are punished in exactly the way that they meant to destroy us. And that, when he sees that, he says, that's it. I'm in. And the obvious question is, well, obviously, I mean, how else would Hashem punish if it wasn't exactly what you deserve? That's how Hashem works. Right? So what's the big deal? By the way, I'll give you a great example of this. When you sing Az Yashir, okay? So what do we say? It says, Yardubim Salot Kamo Aven. The Egyptians sank like stones. So Rashi notes that there are three different descriptions in Az Yashir for how the Egyptians died, right? In another place it says that they sank like lead in the great waters, right? They floated around like straw. So which is it? Did they float around like straw? Did they sink like lead? Or did they sink like stones? Right? So Rashi explains, the evil ones, they floated around like straw. Okay? They're, they're, they're turned upside down and up and down and up and down, right? The ones who were, they were not good, but they were not so evil, right? So they sank like stones. And the ones who were better behaved, they sank like lead, which is interesting. I would have thought the opposite. Why do you think it's better to die like lead than it is to die like straw, yeah? Did you know? Okay, yeah? Right, because it's torturous to be floating around like straw, right? Okay? So you understand? So, obviously, now, the Jews, by the way, when they saw this, they realized that there's, there's justice in the world. That was powerful. So Yitro sees that Hashem punishes exactly what you deserve. He's like, that's it. So the obvious question is, why is that? So, why does this change everything? I mean, obviously, if Hashem, whatever Hashem does is perfect. So why is Yitro blown away? Now, I want to tell you something. There are a lot of um, consequences in the world that seem way out of proportion to the crime. I'll give you an example, okay? Um, if you're in Singapore, okay? I wrote this down somewhere, but I don't remember where it is. But if you're in Singapore and you um, are chewing gum. If you're walking down the street chewing gum, does anybody know what happens to you? Pardon? It's illegal, and what happens to you? No, 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 it's a thousand dollar fine. If you're caught bringing gum into the country, if you have a pack of gum, like a little few pieces of bazooka, you forget about, okay? It's a $10,000 fine and up to three years in jail. So that's nuts. That's crazy. In the Philippines, the Philippines are so against drugs 
that if you're caught with a half an ounce of weed, I'm not talking about cocaine, half, do you know what the punishment in the Philippines is for bringing in a half an ounce of weed? Death sentence. You're executed. Couple of puffs and bye-bye. In fact, they don't give you a last smoke because you're dead, right? Now we look at that and we say that's, that's ridiculous. Let me tell you something interesting. Anybody ever been to Singapore? You should see how clean Singapore is. There's no gum anywhere in Singapore. Okay? Philippines, no drug issues in the Philippines. What idiot would take a risk on weed to die? So you could make a case for saying, I don't understand. Like if a Kosh Baruch Hu wants to make the point, you want to have a deterrence. And I used to always think about this. What's the simplest way to solve the problem with Hamas? It's very simple. Very simple, okay? Get one Hamasnik a day. Just one, okay? On public television, rip off all his limbs. Just rip them off. Feed them to the animals on public TV. You're still bothering us? We'll do another one tomorrow. That doesn't work, we'll do two. Now, that's deterrent. And my guess is it would work. So why don't we do that? Why doesn't the Kosh Baruch do that? Pardon? The UN wouldn't mind. Yeah, United Nobody's. Okay, I don't know if that's, uh, right? So seriously, Ariel, I know you're with me, right? I know you're with me. You're not down there, right? Okay? So I want to tell you something deep. This is deep. Why doesn't Hashem take Cain? Cain murders his brother. First brothers, and he, he, he kills him. What should happen to Cain? I mean, Hashem should explode him. And maybe then there wouldn't be all this murder. Hashem doesn't do that. He has a shmuzlach with him. Cain's upset. He says, you have to wonder. So the truth is, Hashem isn't interested in deterrence. He doesn't want to deter us. Because it doesn't mean anything. If I wanted to be sure that every guy in yeshiva got up for davening every day, it'd be very simple. It'd be very simple. We'd get you and your parents to sign a policy that if you don't get up for davening, we'd break a finger. Just rip your finger. Just snap your finger. Let me tell you something. It's very easy to snap a finger, and it's painful, right? You know what? That'd be too obvious. You know, we'll just rip out a fingernail. It'll grow back, right? Three guys would miss davening in the first three days, and we'd be done. So what would be the big deal? Why is that a problem, right? Because it doesn't mean anything that you're showing up to davening because you don't want to get your fingernail ripped out. It means something that you show up to davening because you want to go, because you think it's valuable. Hashem doesn't want us to be in fear. Hashem wants us to grow. And if you know that what you do in life carries a consequence, but you also know that you can earn what you have in this life, and that's the secret to growth. And that's exactly what this Pasha is talking about, right? It's all about the ability to grow, you know? I'll tell you something interesting. One of the Pesukim in this week's Pasha, right, is, Kanesher Yair Kino Al Gozalav Yerachef. Okay, like the eagle who protects its young. So Rashi says, what's so special about the way the eagle protects its young? So the eagle is supposedly the most mighty bird. It flies higher than any other bird. Okay? Which means it doesn't have to worry about another bird above it scooping down and ripping it up. Right? So, what's the only thing the eagle has to worry about? 
human arrows. So if the eagle carries its young, what does it do? It carries it on its back, on its wings, because it protects the young from the arrows. You with me so far? That means that an eagle represents the idea that a parent would do anything to protect its young. Anything. Even give up its life. Okay. So that seems to imply that it's good that we as parents will give up everything for our children. It's unbelievable how much you're willing to do for your children. Right? You with me so far? That's what a good parent is, right? Okay. So let me ask you a question. What famous sayings in the Shulchan Aruch, right? This is a very old custom. Do we say when a kid turns to Bar Mitzvah? Baruch Sheptarani Me'ancho Shulchan. Praise is he who has released me from the consequences of this one. In other words, I'm not responsible for you anymore. Why would you say that? I thought the essence of parenting is that you're willing to take on responsibility for your child, right? So what do you think? Let's speak up. Excellent. The parent has to know when to let go. And letting go is very challenging because your kids will make mistakes. You'll make mistakes. And you can't always protect them from those mistakes. But if you never let a child grow and you never let him go, he'll end up a child forever. And most of us know people like that. So think about this for a minute, right? Consequences have value because they teach us responsibility. They, they allow us to recognize the mistakes we make and grow. And Hashem wants us to grow. If there is a time of year that is all about growing, it's this time of year. That's what this is about. So I want you to understand something. We're finishing up Elo. And most people think, in fact, the Rebbeim even said, now you're on a break. Right? You're going you're gonna, to have Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is amazing. By the time you finish up Shuba, you're going to feel like you don't even need Yom Kippur. And then you wake up Tuesday morning, and it's Bein Asmani. Zman Elul's over. Zman Choref is yet ahead. It's not true. It's not true. You with me? It's not true. In between Yom Kippur and the beginning of Chorosman, it's not Beinas Mani. It's Manchem. It's yours, man. It's when you find out whether what you did these last three weeks is merit. You know? There's a power in that. And it took me a long time to understand this. I really struggled with this. You just start, just like what Gavriel said, milk this Zman for what it's worth. Because you can make this the most valuable Zman of your year. You know? Set for yourself realistic goals, right? Most of you will not sit and learn 10 hours a day, and I'm not sure you should. I think you have a chance to explore Eretz Israel, to, 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 to really walk your feet through the mountains and the valleys of it. It's unbelievable how much you can do and how much you can see. It's amazing. But don't allow this man to go by. You know, you could theoretically lie in the dorm, wake up at 2 in the afternoon, watch six hours of Netflix, go back to sleep, and just do that for three weeks. And nobody would say anything to you, probably. But you would know that you missed an opportunity. Right? So the sheer, the song, you know why this is a song? Because, do you like how I prepared the background for this moment? The song depends on the singer. Two people sing the same song, you sing it differently. You put the notes together all differently. Make your song. 
figure out your music. We come back together for chorus, man. Bezrat Hashem. We'll get ready to dance. All right? All right, Bozai. This is awesome.